Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mavs Film Room Podcast. I'm Rohan, filling in for Jay, and uh, we are live after the Mavericks lost to the Phoenix Suns 126-130 to uh, on national television today. Um, joined a couple of hours after that by Vinay Chemedy. Vinay, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, I took a nap a couple hours after the game ended. Um, and I'm still as angry as I was when the game ended, if that makes sense. So the nap didn't help at all, and I'm still angry. But this is what we do. We're going to get through this, summarize the game, and you know, move on to the next one on Tuesday. Yep. Uh, there were definitely things to criticize all over this game, but there were also a lot of silver linings. Tempers did flare up at multiple points. Um what do you think was the most unexpected uh, dynamic at play in this game? Um, I'm going to be honest, and I don't think it got enough attention after the game, especially with the whole, I mean, the whole Luka Booker thing kind of blew up the mm-hmm. attention of what happened in the game. But, you know, for me, it's probably Josh Green scoring zero points today. Um, he played 28 minutes today. I don't know if it's been covered that much, but just it's really disappointing to see that from him when, like we've talked about before, he's had great stretches even since he came back from that injury. Um, we needed more from him, especially after the trade when we shipped off Dorian, um, not just defensively, but even just stepping up a little bit on offense. And you know, that's, just, that's just he's a better player than that. And for me, of all these things that came out from today, that's probably like the number one uh, glaring concern for me. Yeah, the Mavs are going to need a lot from Josh Green. At least on the offensive end, they need him to hit a few threes um, to have active hands in the passing lanes. And for this to be as muted of a game as him, there have been a few in the last three or four games where he does underperform in a lot of minutes. But this one was a particularly egregious one, although he didn't take many shots. Um, Oh, he did it. On... On the other on the other hand, I think Reggie Bullock has been one who has kind of been scorching the past few games. And I mean, from the floor in general, he was all right. But from three tonight, he really cooled off. Uh, give credit to def- defenders that the Suns do have, but perhaps also indicating an over-reliance on him. Oh, for sure. I mean, like any player that has a lot of their shot volume from three-pointers, like it's going to be hit or miss um, from that perspective. Like two for eight, I think he's a better shooter than that, but it's also not necessarily surprising. I mean, he went five for ten last game. Um, like Reggie Bullock does every year, he kind of turns it around after the new year. Um, I mean, it's, he's just kind of a symptom of the Mavs' issues in terms of being a little too reliant on the three-point shot. But I mean, in terms of defensively, like there was a couple times that he got blown by by Booker. Um, but I thought there were times that he also did a good job staying in front of KD, but, you know, we kind of see the value of KD as it doesn't need to be said much, but a player like that is just, like, not guardable, and they're going to get their shots no matter what. Yeah. Um, I I will say uh, KD on the Suns looks as great as Kevin Durant has ever looked as a scorer, but... Did not seem like a, a team that is unbeatable, and it didn't seem like their play style is particularly difficult to game plan for either. This really just came down to 
certain performances and certain metrics uh, in my mind before necessarily getting to the criticisms on the Mavs side in terms of offense. I do want to say Tim Hardaway Jr. had a kind of ethereal game, just the game that you want Tim Hardaway Jr. to have. Um, so <laughs> this isn't on him, luckily. Um, but on the on the other end, uh, Luca and Kyrie had five and three turnovers uh, each, and they were both not in foul trouble, but they both did have more than a few fouls drawn on them. Uh, and on the other end, I mean, the, the Mavs were active uh, in moving the ball around and trying to get to the basket uh, or initiate contact, but not enough activity in the passing lanes for me. Um, the turnovers were about the same for each team, but I think the Mavs in general, specifically Josh Green, uh, is the personnel that would that should allow you to make up for some of those turnovers, and we didn't get that. No, I agree with you. Like, I mean, like everyone has said since the trade happened for Kyrie, like, Mavs are not going to have any issues or not a lot of issues scoring the ball, but when it comes down to it in the playoffs, especially like, and in big games like this, uh, and I would classify this as a big game against the Suns on national TV with all the hype that it got, um, got to be able to defend a little bit better like as great as this is like like you said the inactivity in the passing lanes was low i understand the suns are going to put up ridiculous numbers the rest of the way with kevin durant but i mean at the same time it's just like it's just not good enough for what we want this team to get to and unfortunately it just might not happen on that side of the floor yeah um i yeah i can't, I can't agree enough about how much of an uphill battle obviously the Mavs have defensively Dwight Powell struggled again tonight and I really think this just comes down to matchups that being said on the other end I think DeAndre Ayton was probably the biggest sore spot for the Suns I mean that the game that he put up I mean rebounding was incredible otherwise pretty middling game for DeAndre Ayton looked disinterested uh at a lot of times. I think this is a carryover from last year. Um, it's there, That seems to be just an issue for their team, but it's something that I expect that the Mavs should be game planning for more, especially considering that this is a rivalry now. Um, yeah, no, I mean... Aiden is, uh, I mean, especially now with Kevin Durant, now he's kind of just relegated to this role of being strictly like a pick-and-roll big, defend, uh, rebound, and whatnot. And as, like you mentioned just now, like his motor will wane in and out. Like you don't necessarily, like you're not going to get consistent effort from him game to game. And I mean, if I'm a Suns fan, I'm a little concerned about that because you you are going to need him, I think, eventually, like in terms of just like, I mean, the motor stuff that we see with Christian Wood, like just doing the basic big man stuff of, Setting a screen, rebounding, rolling, finishing around the rim. Um, so, I mean, like uh, like in the playoffs before the matchup last year, I thought we were all as a fan base kind of concerned about what Aiton was going to do against our bigs. But you know, as that series went on, it wasn't really that much of a factor. Like he wasn't just kind of disappeared in games, to put it bluntly. Um, that's not – the DeAndre Aiden's not the 
not a player that I'm necessarily like. He could obviously go off on whatnot in the matchup against us in the playoffs, but that's not necessarily a player that I'm concerned with. Yeah, uh, pretty good way of putting it. Not a guy that you're concerned historically in this matchup about just like scorching you. That being said, he he does tend to have like pretty bad body language at times and. I do think that when he gets mismatches, especially on Mavs players in this game, but in general throughout the year, the team isn't very good at getting him the ball in those situations. So he does kind of seem like he has no energy, motor issues, but that's also because the team around him isn't necessarily working with him. Um, I expect that to be a thing that in film, especially in a potential playoff matchup, we see exploited way more by kid and staff because yeah, Aiton can get you 20 rebounds a night and, and score 67% from the interior. But if you're limiting his ability to, to be next to the basket, get those offensive rebounds and immediately put them back. Um, you can almost entirely neutralize him, even if he has a decent statistical night. Uh, that's not because of him as a player. It's more so about the Suns' style. That being said, sticking with the Suns' style, I noticed that obviously it's early, but KD and uh, KD and Devin Booker seem to have that you go, I go, you go, I go thing. And I think it works because KD and, uh, and Booker are both plug-and-play guys. I just don't think that's a recipe for playoff success. Um, I think that's going to wear them down. So I know I'm getting a little bit into like what I'm projecting from this game into the future, but I honestly think that's most of my thoughts while watching this game. Yeah, the your turn, my turn thing is kind of interesting because I feel like the Mavericks, since the Kyrie trade, for whatever reason, the big criticism about it was are Luca and Kyrie going to share the ball but I mean my personal take on the whole your turn my ball your turn my turn thing in basketball in general it kind of just goes back to the James Harden Chris Paul days in Houston like I do think it truly does work it's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing uh, to watch as a purist of like a basketball fan or whatnot um they're still putting up good offensive numbers you might be right about them getting worn down a little bit but I mean like with the Mavericks I don't think Offense isn't going to be necessarily the issue for either of these teams to, you know, not go as far as they can. Like, Suns are maybe better uh, set up better for on the defensive side of things, but not necessarily concerned on the your turn, my turn thing with either of these teams. That's just me. Agreed. A um, few games ago, I'm forgetting who the opponent was now, but in the Mavs' win with uh, Kyrie and Luca. It was the your turn, my turn thing that we've seen since that Kings game uh, where Luka got back in the lineup. But I think the subtle difference is how do you get them the ball? Are you running screens? Are you using them as decoys for one another? Are you having them pass the ball away, drive, screen, poke back out, curl, and then potentially get the ball if there's a different mismatch or if the or if the defensive coverage switches. Um, I think that's something the Mavs can play a lot more of because both of their guys are guards. Not to say that KD and Devin Booker aren't, you know, a switchable, uh, highly skilled offensive duo, but uh, 
Kyrie himself is is so fast and can change direction so quickly, and Luca can also accelerate and decelerate. That I honestly think the Mavs' peak offense with these two guys can be way more dynamic and way harder to guard um, than just purely the scheme that the Suns have. Um, so that that's kind of qualifying the criticism of the Suns there, um, but. I also noticed that there was a lack of of three point defense from some of the Suns role players, and I think that bodes well, purely because I know in Mavs land we've gotten a little hung up on our lack of defense on the interior, uh, and what we've lost on that is point of attack defense. Obviously, there have been a lot of criticism since we lost uh, Dorian Finney Smith to the Nets about that point of attack defense going down uh, uh, or becoming worse. But honestly, relative to the Suns, I think it's comparable. Yeah, I mean, the Suns, Josh Okoji was kind of the player the last, I want to say, two months or so. He was hitting his shots. But, I mean, you saw today he went 0 for 8 from 3. And <laughs> when you go 0 for 8 from 3 uh, on an NBA team in 2023, it's going to be hard for the coach to justify leaving you out there for a while. So you even saw Ish Wainwright uh, get minutes over Josh Okoji late in the game, and Ish Wainwright hit, I want to say, three or four threes today. He had four threes today. Yep. So, I mean, their point of attack defense is going to be kind of hinged, hinged on uh, Josh Okoji, and for today, it just it didn't happen for him. And I don't... The Suns do have some point of attack issues on the, on the defensive, and I do agree with you on that. Yeah. But also their ability to win through all of those issues kind of gives me more hope for the Mavs in that they can definitely win even with those defensive issues. I think because you brought up Wainwright, we should just go straight into the most specific uh, analysis we can give. Uh, Near the end of the game, there were, I think, maybe a series of two or three straight three-pointers from the right wing uh, that were just swished. Swished, sorry. Uh, two by Chris Paul and one by Wainwright. Um, and the thing that I noticed in looking through that film was in all of those instances, that was not the point of attack defender. There was help, both from Luca and I forget who the other defender was on uh, one of the Chris Paul plays. I think, oh no, it was Tim. So it was Tim on one Chris Paul play. And then Luca guarding Chris Paul, Luca guarding Wainwright. Luca switches on to whoever is driving from the left wing, dish out to the right wing, open shot. Three times in a row. The issue here fundamentally for Luca is he's not like a laterally quick guy. Like that's not his athleticism, if that makes sense. Um, he has to get better at that. You can't let the opposing team be one pass away from an open three three times in a row in a late game situation it's just bad basketball uh yeah i i wish that luca would you remember earlier in luca's career Vinay, when you know he would miss shots and he'd like tear open his jersey and stuff sure yeah i I, famous gif off the (laughs) yep i want to see him have that same passion for his defensive decision making because he can be a good defender it's not that his 
physically he's not there or that his instincts are altogether wrong or that his instincts are altogether wrong. It's honestly, I think he just gets tunnel vision and he's not really thinking of it in the same with the same complexity that he's thinking about the offensive end of the floor. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest. I've been really disappointed, and I know there's been stretches here and there last re- couple regular season where seasons where he's put it together defensively. But for me, like I still will maintain the fact that Luca was was the best version of defensive Luca that we've seen, and coincides with his physical shape. So, I mean, even beyond that, it's like you said, it's a lack of focus a lot of times, and understand that lateral quickness is not going to be his strength on the defensive end, but you know. Being attentive, being not lazy on defense, it's like it goes a long way to good team overall defense. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, it's just it's just not been there uh, as consistently as it should be. And he's a better player than that. And you know, the numbers across the board, uh, especially offensively, might be better this year. Uh, besides, I want to say assists. Um, there's still just a lot of room to grow uh, for him. Even today, like he missed a lot of bunnies. Speaking on the offensive side of things. Just a lot of just paint shots that he would normally hit. He went one for nine from three today. He still put up 34 points. Uh, so, like, it's just kind of crazy that his, like, quote-unquote bad games can still produce these type of offensive numbers. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty good point. Bad games producing good numbers. Um, I'll give it to Christian Wood. I think he shot the ball well tonight, but... uh. There's just something about three rebounds in 21 minutes that makes me want to cry. Um, mostly because if you just go up a little bit, the the Suns did out-rebound the Mavs pretty handily. And I get it, the matchups aren't in, aren't in their favor, but three rebounds in 21 minutes is not good. Um, no, and I want to add really quickly because it's on it. my mind right now. Like, Maxi, Maxi's minutes... Uh, you know, general haven't really eclipsed the 30 minute mark since he's like the last three years when he's turned into a assistant rotation player and you know we've had three days since the last game we played on thursday and it was, it was pretty concerning for me i'm not gonna lie that he couldn't suit up today and it was kind of like a late scratch type of situation where he was dealing with some hamstring soreness and you know we're dependent a lot on whatever defensive ability that we have it's going to be dependent on reggie bullock Josh Green and Maxi, like those are going to be your three main guys. You're going to have some minutes here from Justin Holiday, but you're not going. It's those are the three main guys on defense, and, and Maxi not being able to contribute today is just kind of like a worrisome sign for me. That you know, I know he came back relatively early from the torn hamstring, but it, it sucks to see that it kind of reared its ugly end here again. Uh, going back to your Christian Wood point, didn't really do a lot through three quarters of the game. He got hot in the fourth quarter when we needed it, when Suns were kind of hitting some shots and whatnot. I would have honestly liked to see him close the game today. I'm not even the biggest Christian Wood fan. I'm not as big of a hater as you are, I will <laughs> say. Uh, um, I mean, I, I don't want to say hater. You're, you're justified in a lot of what you say about Christian Wood. But Appreciate I did want to see him close today. And it's just more of like the floor spacing part of it. Like, I know Dwight's a great screener, great roller. But I five out, I feel like kind of our offense is good either way. But I just kind of feel like with how he how he played today, you almost want to reward him in a sense, like so you can get some more consistent effort from him going forward. Because like, just kind of I don't know, I could see it from his shoe, Christian Wood shoes, like okay, I played well in the fourth quarter, and I'm, I still can't close over Dwight Powell, who didn't necessarily produce a lot today. Like I can understand why it's frustrating for him. 
Yeah, uh, that's a really good point in this specific case because it also brings up the matchup of Aiton. Um, bringing him out to the three-point line really does allow your offense to to run way differently. So, yeah, you should be able to utilize Christian Wood in this matchup pretty well. I do appreciate you, uh, <laughs> you know, walking back the hater comment a little bit, although it's more so tongue-in-cheek. I, I got that. But more so because I have said that he is very matchup dependent. And in this specific case, with Maxi out, just like you said, you need his matchup. Like, on both ends, he can he can actually help what you need. And and that's why I was... Or he can actually fill the role um, that you brought him into, which is a couple rebounds, spread the floor. Bring the guy out of the paint. Or bring your guy out of the paint as a as a purely offensive microwave scoring five. Um, obviously didn't see him at the end, but that's also a little bit because of foul hunting. I get that. All of that being said, I, I think the issue is actually just rotations. Like 21 minutes is fine, but it's still, we should be getting rotations where Christian Wood has to play f- five out because it will allow for these three other guys to get in position. There's no reason why Josh Green should only take two shots in a game um, and not be run in some sort of action with Christian Wood. Uh, not when both of them played 20 to 30 minutes in a game. Um, and I think largely the Mavs need to depend on their wings and guards to do some of that interior presence, meaning rebounding, boxing out, just being physical, just because of that lack of personnel. And in an, and tonight, in a night where we didn't have Maxi, it would have been nice to see, let's say, Josh Green get like seven rebounds, even if he had no points. Uh, did not see that tonight, um, but also luckily we didn't see anybody get into too much foul trouble. Christian Wood himself only had one foul, um, so... I should walk back what I said earlier about uh, not playing him at the end because of foul trouble, because that was definitely not an issue. Um, Yeah, this comes down to rotations. There's no reason why Christian Wood shouldn't have been there at the end, especially with Dwight Powell, four points, four rebounds. Again, no hate on him. It's just this is not a matchup that he can feast in. Um, That being said, Kyrie was pretty nice tonight. Um, I do want to see him more efficient from three, but Luca also was kind of trash <laughs> from beyond the arc tonight. So I, I'm not going to put too much pressure on him because he was still like, what, above 30% or something. Um, more free throws though. Like just need to see way more free throws shot, uh, by Kyrie. And it's not the refs. The, he needs to be getting to the basket more, um, yeah, that's. I don't know how much more I have. Uh, what are your <laughs> no? There's yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, really quickly, I wanted to. Markeith Morris got weirdly some playing time in the first half. Uh, he hit one three, but it was kind of weird that they used him as a little bit of a two minute wrinkle as a small ball five. I don't think there's any be anything much to be made of that, but it is what it is. Frank Nilakina, I don't understand why he ever plays. I understand he got <laughs> two points today, but which is honestly better than most nights for him, but I don't I don't like seeing him play basketball and I don't think he should be in the NBA after this year. 
with all, all my condolences to the Neil Kina family. Um, I kind of am curious that JaVel McGee, I'm not saying that he should necessarily be a rotation staple or by any means, but you know, but since the Kyrie trade, I really thought that there was a little bit different energy and effort from him on both sides of the floor. And you know, lately, I don't know how many DNPs this is in a row now, but he hasn't touched the floor since the Nuggets game um, yeah. before the All-Star break. So not saying that he should be, like I said, a consistent rotation player, but no, I feel like there's a little bit more usage to get out of him, but does. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you there, uh, except maybe this game, I don't think the matchup is necessarily good for him. Yeah, um, that's fair. But I will say, <laughs> uh, on paper, Bertans is a, is a pretty decent matchup, but I'm glad they didn't play him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the end of the bench is just kind of is what it is. I think it's going to get cut to eight players in the playoffs. Definitely. Uh, eight or nine, I guess. Um, actually didn't play today, so that is kind of... You can kind of see the eight players off today's box score that played, like Luca, Kyrie, Bullock, Ty Powell, Josh Green, Tim, Wood, Justin Holliday, then you throw in Maxi. I mean, I'm assuming Markeith and Frank aren't going to necessarily play in the playoffs like that, so... Yeah. So it's unfortunate for us that Maxi is as important to this team as he is. Like, I don't think a lot of other NBA teams have that a problem. I'll call it a problem because... It is a roster problem that we have to depend on him like we do. But exactly on top of the fact that he's injured a lot, uh, it just what it is. Hopefully, he can stay healthy um, for the stretch run. We have 18 games left, and I mean we've seen in three straight playoff runs uh, how important he is. Like this is a guy that's been guarding Kawhi. Not saying that he did a great job on Kawhi, but he was guarding Kawhi. He hit threes in that game two versus Utah last year, and then we know what. He kind of does from a floor spacing and then defensive aspect when he can anchor a little bit or switch onto guards and whatnot. Like, we don't need to regurgitate the point, but Maxi Kleber is just like so immensely huge, important to this team. And I want to see him healthy. Yep. Defensive scheme wasn't horrible today. Just need to see more activity from guys like Josh Green. Um, Yeah, I'm not super bummed. Uh, Largely on this episode, I, I kind of want to communicate that. I'm not super bummed that this was a loss because I think the Mavs, like Vinay said, with Maxi, but also the Mavs in general can beat this team, even with KD on it. I don't think they play in a way that is prohibitive or like they're title favorites and nobody can beat them. All of that is delusion. Um, there are gigantic holes in in the Suns as a team, and they have less time than Kyrie and Luca have had um, to figure everything out. Can they do it? Will they probably get farther than the Mavericks? I mean, knock on wood, they won't, but on paper, yes. All of that being said, I think tonight was really good purely off of the fact that the Mavs did not play an amazing defensive game and they still were passable, if that makes sense. Um also, that late-game execution, very glad. I mean, not glad that it was a miss, obviously, by Luca, but glad that it wasn't, you know, a fadeaway or a step-back three uh, with three seconds left on the clock <laughs> contested. Oh, that's a great point. Like, yeah, the last, last the end-of-the-game execution, I mean... I guess execution's a weird word when you miss the shot, but I, <laughs> I will call it execution. Like, it's a way better 
executed play than we saw the last couple of weeks where Jason Kidd, rightfully so, got criticized for the plays that he drew up. And you know, Luca's going to make that shot more times than not. He was, he missed, like I said earlier, he missed a lot of those bunnies today. Like, I'll live with that shot all day. He could have easily had 45 to 50 tonight if he makes some more threes and makes a lot of those bunnies, like, which... And to echo your point, like I feel, I know I sounded kind of down on this podcast, but I definitely feel better about this team beating the Suns than I did eight hours ago. Like I think not this unbeatable force, like you said, like they definitely have some roster issues, mainly their wing depth. Like yep. they're kind of looking for answers at that spot and we'll see how that goes playoff time. But I definitely not this unbeatable force. Like the West is going to be a, a juggernaut to get through for whoever gets through it. And Hopefully, hopefully we can get some. I think the Mavs have 18 games to get this right in the right track. Uh, they need to avoid the plan. Uh, I don't think it's reasonable necessarily that they can get home court in the first round at this point. Um, we'll see though. Um, but avoid that plan if you can, because you never know what can happen in a game or two of basketball where you know you're relying on the three-point shot and it takes two bad three-point shot games uh, to completely miss the playoffs altogether. So. Their goal for the rest of the season should be avoid the play-in. Um, I don't know exactly what their strength of schedule stuff is, but I would assume that, I mean, I know before, like two weeks ago, it was one of the easiest rated strength of schedules. Not saying that it matters or that it's everything or whatnot, but um, right. I believe the schedule is laid out nicely for them, for them to be able to do what I want, which is to avoid the play-in. Yeah, no, I agree. From here on out, the schedule seems to be a little more tolerable uh let's put it that way um while i pull while i pull it up right now i should say in general uh this was this was a game that was kind of like a put up shut up moment and yeah this team isn't isn't outperforming last year's team i think that's reasonable i think a lot of people knew that coming into the season to be fair not to say that we're not disappointed in it but I think, if anything, there is an intangible benefit in struggling to close the season. Not so much that, obviously, you fall into a plan seed, because, knock on wood, that will not be the Dallas Mavericks. No, no, no. Um, no, more so that you're playing games against guys like the Lakers, like the Suns, who, you know, have way different team chemistry uh, and are hard teams to beat for a team that can't defend for anything. So um, for the Mavs to be learning a lot of hard lessons in these games to close out the season sucks because it results in losses here and there, yes. But also it gives me a little more hope because I like to think they won't make the egregious mistakes um, when it comes to consequential moments in the playoffs. So, I don't know. Maybe this is just blind faith. Um, the Mavericks play the Utah Jazz at 7.30 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday, the 7th. And the day immediately after that, go to New Orleans to visit the Jazz at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, the 8th. Then they have two days off and they face the Grizzlies at 7 p.m. on the 11th. Um, they'll face the Grizzlies again, I think a day after that, or not a back-to-back, -back, but the day after that, so on the 13th. Um, 
but in general the Mavs do have a pretty nice schedule from here on out other than obviously facing the Grizzlies three times they face the Lakers once the Warriors once they'll face the Hornets twice then the Pacers the Sixers the Heat the Hawks the Kings and the Bulls that Kings game is gonna be a pretty big one in my mind considering that it will probably be a playoff matchup i don't know how certain that is but as of right now i think that's where things are slotted up right the kings are the third seed and the mavericks are what sixth drop to seven today with the loss today timberwolves beat the kings last night uh late night um so the wolves right now are the sixth spot and we're the seventh spot as of sunday damn all right so if the mavs can win you know that Jazz game, that Pelicans game, and one of those Grizzlies games, I I really think that they have a good shot at finishing sixth. If the Kings stay in third, I do like that matchup really, really well. Just because the Kings are a good fundamental basketball team, and yeah, they have a lot of pieces that the Mavs will struggle to defend, but they've also never been tested. So... Uh, the playoffs are a different animal, and the best part about that statement is that we have a player that in Luca, um, and I, I want to look more into Kyrie's numbers in that sense. But Luca specifically, like literally, the cliche he players make big time moments in big time games. Like that's him. Like he steps his game up legitimately in the playoffs. He's done this every year. He he's been in the playoffs since uh, he was a twenty year old or twenty one year old. Uh, in his first playoff debut series so like you said like it's all in front of the Mavericks um they kind of got through a little bit of the tough part of the schedule um, with the Sixers and Suns um I wish we got the pot after that Sixers game because that was awesome Same. some victory uh with the Luke and Kyrie recreating the LeBron Kyrie meme from the finals all those years ago <laughs> um we'll see if John Moran even plays for the Grizzlies this week I mean and I know the uh, Shams tweet initially said at least two game suspension for the IG Live uh, gun brandishing video. Um, but Taylor Jenkins kind of had a different tone today saying that he'll be away from the team indefinitely. And usually when they say indefinitely, like it's a, I don't know, I'm not going to speculate completely on what the absence for him from the Grizzlies is going to be, but there's a decent chance that he might not be there for both those games. So Mavericks have it in front of them, avoid the plan. Vibes are good for me. I know I sounded down on the pot today, but vibes are good for me. I feel good about this team. See how far they can go. To be fair, it's a Sunday night, so <laughs> vibes are going to be down in general. You're winding down for the week. But <laughs> so, so. yeah, uh, there is hope in Mavs land. We'll put it that way. Um, we will see you all next week after hopefully the Mavs roll off a couple wins and are heading in their second game in a row against the Memphis Grizzlies. Take care and go Mavs.